Well, welcome. We're here for another NAS chat, and I'm here with uh, Dr. Nelson Perdue, uh, one of our members and a, a tenured Nazarene evangelist. I, I've gotten to know Dr. Perdue for, for many years as, as, uh, as someone just attending these revivals. He's been a person that's been extremely important in my spiritual development. I can remember many revivals where he preached, and, and I was just a part of the church and, and how influential he was for me. And, and what some people don't know is what most people can understand how smart Dr. Purdue is, uh, but I know him as a humble, good man, that, that he is sincere, uh, that he is a sincere Christ follower. And he, he really, he really first and foremost wants to get in heaven, get his, his family into heaven, but he wants to help other people get to heaven. And so I appreciate uh, Dr. Uh, Purdue's humility. And uh, just when I sit and have breakfast and have conversations with him, his, his willingness just to have a dialogue. And so we're going to talk today and and so, Dr. Purdue, why don't, you, why don't you just say welcome to people and hello or whatever you want to say? Well, it's good to be with you. This is a new experience for me, but uh, being your leading, I'll follow and see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so tell us, you were born and raised in Ohio? I was born and raised in actually Irwin, Ohio for the first uh, 15 years, and then we moved over toward uh, Champaign County in a little place called Mingo. And uh, then, of course, we've been around the area all, all my life. Okay, all right. Um, so you like Ohio? Yeah, I like Ohio. <laughs> you didn't retire and move to Florida. I, I've been all over, but Ohio's where I want to be. <laughs> right. So, so you, you've done revivals all over, all over the country? What, how far have you been for a revival? Well... Wife and I have been in South Korea. I've been in Africa. I've been in South America, and most all the states in the country, and maybe lacking four or five. So I've been around a few of them. Canada. Wow! Wow! So how did you enjoy Africa? Very much. It was a beautiful place, and they were very receptive, and uh, had a wonderful time there. It was. It was in January, which is their summer, and I left there about 80 degrees, come into New York at about below zero, so it was a shift of weather whenever I got back. Yeah, I, I bet, I bet. Tell, tell us a little bit how you came to Christ. Well, as I said, uh, I, we moved, uh, when I was 15 years of age, moved over to Mingo, Ohio, and it was in the late fall, November, in fact, that a very tragic thing occurred, and in our family, of course, I come from a large family. There were 12 children, mom and dad. And I had a little five-year-old sister and my dad accidentally, one Saturday morning, ran over her with his automobile. And uh, she lived a few, maybe an hour or two, I don't know exactly how long, but when she spoke, the last words we recall her saying, I can't see, and then, then they rushed her, of course, to the hospital where she was pronounced dead on arrival. Well, it was that experience that uh, I had to ask myself the question, what happens when one passes out of this world into the next? What, what is this death all about? We were not raised in the evangelical church. We had no real upbringing. But it was during that time that the Church of the Nazarene reached out to our family. It was a little country church in Kennard, Ohio. And the pastor and his wife, uh, Harold Suman and his wife, I brought some laymen over and they brought all kind of uh, food into our family and uh, just ministered to us and uh, prayed for us, which we never experienced before. 
And though I was a teenage kid, I remember the day they came into that house, though they were not aware of it. I was, I was very cognizant of the, the spirit of another world had invaded my life at that moment without them even knowing. And it was after that I began to wrestle with life and death. And I went to the Church of the Nazarene, where they had been so good to us. The pastor was such a faithful pastor and preached the word. I can remember it was only three services that I went down to an altar and I asked God's forgiveness. He came into my heart and transformed my life. That was back in 1958. And it was four weeks later, I heard the message of entire sanctification and he come and cleansed my heart. Not only forgave me of my sins of the past, he cleansed my heart and filled me with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, 60, Three, uh, 63 years now, 62 years, it's, it's been different in my life. So uh, that's kind of the you know, thumbnail sketch of how I come to know it. That's, that's an awesome story, how, how God came to your life, came into your life through the church. And the yep. church was such an important part of that. And, and through, first off, serving and ministering to you folks before you even heard a message. And that's uh, that's just awesome. Let me ask you, Doctor. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? You're you're married. Uh, you, you and Barbara married. Barbara, I met her in that church. In fact, huh? and we started going together, and we've been married 57 years. Uh, uh, soon to be 58 years. Uh, we have uh, three sons, and they're in the church. Ken, of course, is a, a pastor in a friend's church. Uh, just north of Bell Fountain, Keith attends the Kennard Church, the church that came in, into my life. And then uh, uh, Kurt, my youngest son, lives in Mansfield and attends the Lexington Church of the Nazarene. Okay, okay. And, uh, and then I have grandchildren, some of them spread out in various Nazarene churches, one in Shepherd Church and, and uh, different uh, churches. So we are, we are church-going people. Church going people. Uh, and Matt was actually on staff for a short time at Marysville, and now he's over with Christy at St. Paris. Right, right. He's serving over there as a youth pastor in St. Paris Nazarene, and uh, he and Emma are enjoying their ministry as, as well as a young, young couple, of course, who hadn't been married too long. So they're enjoying that. Well, good. Well, good. Well, tell, tell me, do you have a, a most memorable revival? Well, you mentioned Africa. Uh, it, it, that was the most memorable time. I recall uh, we, they, they were building a church at the time, and uh, we were pastoring and ministering in another building, and then when the church was finally finished, at least where we could worship in it, they came and filled that church. They stood on the outside, looking outside the walls, uh, outside through the wall, through the windows of the walls, and uh, windows hadn't even been put in yet, but uh, the building was up, and I suppose there was so 400 people come. Wow. And the most memorable thing was not only was the massive altar service, they were just they were just craving to hear the Word of God. They had little benches in the front of the, uh, the church, and they didn't even have backs on them, but they had little children, probably five, six, seven years old, and lower even some that were and they would fill those benches and sit like little soldiers. They never moved. They sat there and listened, didn't squirm. And when the altar call was given, they just poured out and then the adults poured out. And much to my, uh, I didn't know at the time, there was a, there was a witch doctor. Uh. And uh, he saw what was happening and he 
finally came forward to receive Christ and was converted wow. to that revival meeting. So it was quite an experience over there in Africa. We had a wonderful time, and, and that I've never forgotten that one, but we had a wonderful time in Korea, and then there's been a number of times in uh, the states where West Virginia was, is a, was a fertile revival state. They were always receptive at their camp meetings, and they would just pack the house every summer. Uh, those are very refreshing times when the Holy Spirit would come and move across the congregation. There were shouts in the camp as they used to have, and they 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 were very excited about what God was doing. So <laughs> I've had a lot of memorable cases. When you try to pin it down to one or two, that's a little difficult. Okay. Any humorous stories? Well, that you can share. <laughs> yeah, there there are. I recall one time. I don't know if I should share this, but <laughs> man was. So happy and shouting, I don't know how much in the Lord it was, but he came running and slid right down the aisle and fell on his face right before the altar, and everybody breathed a sigh of fear, wondering if he'd hurt himself and all that was kind of, and when we found out that he was okay, uh, that was a little more funny than, <laughs> wasn't funny at the time, but, uh, and I recall an incident, an incident uh, I, I guess I'm not, an exuberant fellow like that, and I, I I enjoy those that are if they are. But I I remember I'm trying to call his name uh, Morris Wilson, a great uh, pastor of New York, and in his retiring years he held uh, revival meetings, and he was very demonstrative. And I think it was in Akron they have a an altar that is made of cement, and he was getting excited and kicking up his heels, and he fell and hit his side right on the cement altar and took his breath away. <laughs> and we didn't know if he was going to be able to continue on after that. Again, while it was a tragic thing, it was rather amusing. So I, I better quit before I tell him myself. <laughs> uh, growing, growing up in that environment, some of those services could be dangerous. You had to, you had to watch where you were standing. And, uh, uh, it can be dangerous, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Purdue was actually scheduled to preach on March 22nd. Uh, for, for us at Marysville, and and we, we don't have time for, for a full message, but I, but I did want to hear from him, and I know you guys would love to hear perhaps um, what he felt God had laid on his heart. Now, Dr. Purdue emphasizes scriptural holiness. Uh, that, that is what he feels God has called him to expound upon most, and Dr. Purdue, what, what had God laid on your heart for us on March 22nd? Well, it's interesting. Uh, the week the, at the beginning of that week, when I was to speak that Sunday, my wife and I were on a sort of what you call a death watch. And I say that because we had just gotten word that my sister's body was cut, shutting down and she would be gone in may, maybe two days, maybe two weeks. And as it was, it, it, she passed away about a week later. And uh, of course, we had the funeral and all that followed. And all through that week, I, I, I couldn't get away from the scripture in, in the sixth chapter of 2 Corinthians. And there's a very familiar statement that's made that we quote all the time. But previous to that, I think four or five different times, the word reconcile, reconciliation is used just previous to this uh, scripture. And then we are told that we are to be the ministers of reconciliation. But this, the verse that I, I was it was emphasized to me, it was the second verse of chapter 6 in Second Corinthians, where it says, uh, 
Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And the word now began to uh, grab my attention. Twice it was used in that short parenthetical statement, now is the accepted time. And all I could think about was living in the now time of his acceptance. And, the, and what came to me was when we talk about living in the now time, we must live without a broken fellowship with God. Uh, there's a lot of growing, developing that occurs in the Christian life, but we must ever know that we're living the now time of his acceptance. For if I am called out, I was thinking of my sister who was called out, even almost dated when she was going to go. If I would be called out in the next hour to face my God, I must live in such a way that there is there. I would not have to make any adjustments in my will or my walk or my witness to him. I must live in the now time of his acceptance. And I think while we know that means now, presently, we should seek God. I think there's a sense in which it's a call to the believers to make sure they're living in the now time of his acceptance. And that was what was bearing on my mind and then of course developing this whole concept of what time is and that God while he's eternal we live in a present tense time we can't recall the past we can't hasten into the future we only live right now this, this very moment and therefore I have to know right now you know there's people sometimes project well I'll, I'll be ready I you know in time I'll get ready no this is the now time of acceptance of God so that was what was on my mind I think that's uh, that's very timely. I, I believe Doc, um, President Trump had indicated that he's projecting or projections are 100 to 200,000 people may pass as a result of this virus. Yep. Now's the time. Uh, to, Now's the time. To get right. And uh, I appreciate that message. I appreciate your humility, Dr. Purdue. I, I really do. I, I consider you a friend and, and I appreciate you and all your your kindness to me and, uh, and kindness to my family. Uh, I often say when I talk to my parents, most of the time they ask about Dr. Purdue as often as they ask about my own kids and how he's doing. They, 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 it's a big deal to them uh, that, that, that you're around and uh, they, you mean a lot to my family, not just me, but uh, uh, my entire family have, has grown to love you over the years. And I appreciate what you do. And I'd ask it, would you mind to, to say a, a quick prayer for our church as we close sure. this out? Sure. Fathers, we approach the throne of grace. We do so with a sense that you are the one who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We are made aware during these times of crises of this pandemic that has invaded our world, that there are some things we cannot do. There are some things only you're going to be able to accomplish but you want to use man to accomplish them because your method across the years has been a man. And there are men and women that you want to work through and boys and girls. And you've called us Lord for that very purpose to show the world, the beauty of Christ and his holiness. Help us Lord to live our lives in such a way that it reflects the Christ that we say we love and we say we serve. May the world see that because we are made aware that the world is not interested in how much we know until they know how much we care. And this is the time that we need to show that caring spirit to the world around us who are more receptive probably now than ever before 
Thank you for Pastor Mills and the Church of the Marysville and how you have used him across these many years and are using him in the various means of spreading this message in a social realm, knowing that we are, as has been stated many times, a community. We are called to commune with you and with one another. and We're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works but glorify our God who is in heaven. So we commit ourselves afresh to the call of God upon our lives to walk holy and righteous all these days, knowing that the time will come and we know not when, and that now time must be, be accepted of God even now so that we don't have to come late into the kingdom, but we can live with a freedom that it is well with our soul, as the songwriter wrote. Now, God, thank you for this opportunity to speak a few moments through this technical means when our churches are closed and it's difficult to congregate together now and it's trying to find new ways of spreading this message. Use it to your glory, God, and may everything that is done and said redound to that glory, for we ask it in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Purdue. Um,